Praise the Lord. Beautiful singing. We are so blessed to have so many different singers who are able to bring us into the presence of the Lord each week. Amen. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, turn with me to Psalm chapter 29. We're going to look at verses 1 through 11. Psalm chapter 29, verses 1 through 11. Right at it. Well, that's a confirmation of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Amen. Today I want to talk to you for a few moments about a message that I have entitled, Noise is Necessary. The noise is necessary. Let's look at Psalm 29, verses 1 through 11. And as we're reading, I want you to look closely at the words of this psalm and see if you can identify anything that might remotely remind you of noise. Okay? Let's begin reading. Verse 1. Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord glory, do his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. He must live in Bullet County is what I've decided. The Lord over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon to skip like a calf and Sarian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord flashes forth flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and strips the forest bare. And in his temple, everyone cries, Glory! The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as king forever. May the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people with peace. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. I pray that it would be powerful today as it ministers to our spirit. Help me to preach effectively today and represent your heart to your people. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. A couple of weeks ago, Don and I looked at the forecast and discovered that the highs for the next three or four days was going to be mid-70s. So that always signals to us that it's time to go camping. So we got the camper ready and hitched it up and called the two little girls, Jovi and Harper, and said, how would you like to go camping? And so the four of us went over to one of our favorite places, Buffalo Trace up in Indiana, and we set up for for just a couple of days, and it was so nice. I mean, the weather was great, and we just enjoyed ourselves so much, and it's always the case I'm the early riser. I get up and go out of the camper and stir the fire up and get the coffee going while the girls continue to get their beauty sleep and rest and watch cartoons or whatever it is that they do inside while I'm outside. 
And on one particular day, I was just enjoying the morning so much. I mean, it was early, the sun was coming up, and I'm telling you, it was peaceful. It was really nice. I could hear the wind as it was blowing through the trees, and, and then the birds were singing, and it was almost like that there was a choir of birds as they would sing some over here, and then the birds over on my right would answer them in song, and then there were the little birds that were in the background that were singing, and it was just so very peaceful. Even the squirrels that were dropping nuts on the top of the camper, you know, so that they could pick them up later, it was, it was an enjoyable thing for me. And I was just sitting there and enjoying it and saying, oh, thank you, Jesus, that it's so nice and quiet and peaceful, and I'm I'm enjoying the day, and the coffee never tasted better, and the fire was flaming, and it was, it was just a beautiful morning. And then just about the time that I was being full of praise and thanksgiving, I heard this big truck that was obviously in reverse. He was on the other side of the campground, and you know how it is with big trucks when they're in reverse. You hear something like this. tell you it was the most annoying thing to me in that moment my peace had been interrupted by this unwelcome noise and I have to tell you that I got just a little bit irritated I felt myself getting frustrated and frustrating frustration was rising within me and I'm thinking why in the world I mean it's seven o'clock in the morning uh, the campers aren't even stirring. I'm the only one out here. Why would any idiot come at that time of the day and interject their unwelcome opinion in this setting? And I got a little bit upset and aggravated. And I thought, surely they could have waited till 9 o'clock or 10 o'clock, you know, but they didn't. And I discovered that the noise was an irritation to my soul. Now, a couple of hours later... I got up and I decided I was going to walk around the campground and so I walked around to the area where I knew that the noise was coming from or had come from and when I got there I recognized that, that the truck had been a concrete truck and it had poured con concrete in, a, in an area where they were improving the campground. They had built a little building for people to meet and gather and have birthday parties and things of that nature. And on the outside, this concrete was so beautiful. They had done a little patio. There were sidewalks. It was all smooth and they had it all uh, the way that it was supposed to be. And I thought to myself, that really was an improvement to that building. It makes it so much more beautiful and so much more useful. And I enjoyed it. And as I was walking away, the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me as clearly as I've ever heard Him. It was not audible, but I heard in my spirit's mind, I heard the Lord say, Rob, sometimes noise is necessary. And I grasped that message from the Lord. And I realize that there are times in our lives that the noise will bring about a change in our lives 
that ultimately will bring improvement if we are willing to receive it. Amen? So I immediately begin thinking about individuals in the Word of God that may have had unwelcome noise interjected into their lives. And so I want to share a little bit some of the thoughts that came to me as I was thinking about the importance of noise being in our lives. There are four things that came to me that I want to share with you this morning about noise and how that it can change our lives, it can improve our lives. The first one is this. Noise verifies our relationship with God. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm glad today that I can say I'm a child of God. I'm glad to say that I'm a son of God. I know that many of you would say, well, I'm not a son, but I'm a daughter of God. When the scripture talks about sons of God, it's talking about mankind. It's talking about all of us. And I'm glad to know today that God is my father. That Jesus Christ, if I can say it this way respectfully, he is my big brother. Amen. And the Spirit of God is that family member that resides in me. It's transforming me from my human nature to my divine nature. And every day that I live, I know that I'm never alone because the Holy Spirit is a part of my life. So it verifies our relationship with God. Now, I went to the book of Job. And for those of you who have read the book of Job very much, you know that Job was described in chapter 1 as one of the richest and most blessed men on the face of the earth. He had all kinds of resources. He had all kinds of animals. His family was large. He was blessed with children and grandchildren. And this man was blessed of God. But chapter 2 tells us that there was a day when Satan came before God the Father, and he was there to accuse the brethren. That's what Satan does. You know that, right? He accuses the brethren. And so when Satan arrives in the presence of God, God says to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? He is a righteous man above all others. And Satan says, Yeah, but the only reason that he praises you and serves you is because of the blessings that you have placed upon his life, the bounty of the favor of God in his life. But if you will take away his blessings and if you will take away the favor, the scripture says, if you will pull down the hedge that you have placed around him. I don't I get excited. I could preach a whole net message just on knowing that the hedge of God has been established around his people. But he said, if you'll take down the hedge that you have established around him, he will curse you to your face. And God says to him, everything that he has is in your hands. Don't touch his body, but if it's stuff, you can take it. God knew that Job was a son of God and that losing his stuff was not going to change his relationship. Listen, let me remind you that sometimes when the noise rises in our lives, it is God testing us 
just so that we can confirm within our nature. We don't have to confirm it to God. God already knows. He knows all things, right? He is omniscient. So He knows whether or not you're faithful. He knows whether or not you're committed to Him. But when we are tested, it is for our benefit. It's so that we can know that no matter what comes my way, no matter how difficult life may be, no matter how loud and noisy it may seem, I am in relationship with the God of this universe. He is my Father and I am His child and nothing can change that. The scripture says in one place that nothing can take you out of the palm of our God, out of the hand of our God. Once you're there, you are protected by your Father. Amen. We are told in the New Testament that He is so close to us in that role that He is literally Abba, Father, which means you're my daddy. I can climb up in your lap and know that you are going to be there for me and to protect me and to soothe me and to calm me. And even in the voice of all the noise of the world, you will be there to sing me a lullaby and to rock me gently in your arms because you are my Father. Sometimes God opens up the doors of testing to work things out of us that need to be removed from our lives. The scripture says in Proverbs chapter 3 verse 12, it says, For the Lord reproves him whom he loves, and as a father the son in whom he delights. Hebrews says it like this in chapter 12 verse 6, it says, for the Lord disciplines the one whom he loves, and he chastises every son whom he receives. Listen, sometimes God sends noise into our lives because we need to be disciplined. We need to be chastised. We need to be improved. Discipline is not for our destruction. Discipline is always for our development. Amen? God is always bringing us to a higher place, a greater place, a better place than we were before. But He uses discipline. He uses chastisement in order to do that. He reproves us when we are wrong. So sometimes the noise in our life is to cause us to think about things in our life that are not pleasing to God and are not bringing about a positive result in our lives. But again, it's not because God suddenly hates us, that God suddenly does not like us, that He no longer loves us. No, it is to verify our relationship with Him as Father and to improve our standing in this world because we are becoming more like Him every day because of the noise that is in our lives. So the first thing is noise verifies our relationship with God. Secondly, we need to understand that noise reveals our commitment to Him. Now, Satan accused Job of being easily swayed. Did you know anybody that could change their mind just like that? I mean, they could be up one minute, down the next. 
They could be full of faith in one moment and the next they don't know if they're going to make it through the day. They are easily swayed. The Bible talks about that being double-mindedness. And it says in Scripture that if we're double-minded, we shouldn't think that we'll receive anything from God because we are double-minded and unstable in all of our ways. So Satan comes to God and he says, if you remove all the blessings from God, he comes later and you know the first wave of the, the removal of the blessings in his life was that they came and said all of your children have died, all of your crops have been destroyed, all of your animals have been destroyed, you have nothing, your family is gone. The only thing, one that was left was his wife and she was a loud mouth that needed to be silenced. She was the one who said how can you continue to be faithful to God after he has done all of this to you, go ahead and curse God and die. But the enemy comes to, to, say, to Satan comes to, to the Father and he says, anybody could continue to worship the Lord, if, uh, worship you if all you do is just remove the stuff. But if you'll let me touch Job, if you will let me touch his body, then he will curse you to hit your face. And, and God said, well... Go ahead. He said, touch his body. You can afflict him, but you cannot take his life. Only God is the giver and the taker of life. And he said, you can affect. So you know the story. He got sores all over his body. The Bible says that they were so, so covered him and, and was so painful that he took pottery and broke it. And he would use the broken glass to scrape. The, the boils on his body because he was in such pain and turmoil. But in the midst of it all, he continued to be faithful to God. He did not lose his commitment to God. Even though there were times that he said, I'd rather be dead. He said, curse the day that I was born. It would have been better for me and better for this world if I had never been born. You know, sometimes when there's noise in our life, we say things that do not align with the will of God and the Word of God for our lives. Sometimes we hear coming out of our mouths things that we know are not in alignment with God's will for our life. And when that happens, it becomes our responsibility to grasp our words and destroy those that are in conflict with God's will for our lives. Now listen, if you don't do that, the words of your mouth that go forth will circle back into your ears, and when your ears hear what your mouth is saying, uh, it will negatively impact your life and negatively impact your faith. So if you listen to the words that you're saying in the flesh, it is going to tear you down. But listen, if you will replace those false declarations with the Word of God, the opposite will be true. 
Because as the word of God proceeds forth out of your mouth and circles back around into your ear, faith begins to build upon faith and faith upon faith and faith upon faith and faith upon faith until finally the enemy knows the faith has been established in this individual and they are committed to the word of God. I am not going to be able to penetrate them with the noise of the enemy because their soul and their spirit is filled with the word of faith. Amen. And so we need to build our faith by speaking the word of God. And when our faith builds, then the enemy will not be able to get us to decommit. Now in the, in the college sports world right now, there is a phenomenon that I personally am not all that thrilled with. It's, it's called the transfer portal. Now for those of you who follow sports, you know that every year a player has to commit to a particular school. They have to sign a letter of commitment that I'm going to attend the school, I'm going to accept your scholarship, and I'm going to play football or basketball or whatever it is. I'm going to play for you. But there's a rule now that says that under certain circumstances you can decommit from your contract. You can decommit from your commitment. And so what we see is we see college players that are leaving the school that they had committed to and they're going all over the place. They are decommitting and moving somewhere else. And I've been pastoring a lot of years. And I can tell you that there are a lot of Christians that easily decommit in moments when the noise gets loud in their lives. But let me tell you that the noise of the enemy will try to destroy your commitment. And if you're not careful, you will decommit at the time when you need to stand firm in your faith and having done all to stand, stand therefore in Christ Jesus. At a time when the enemy wants you to decommit, you've got to square your shoulders and say, I am going to stand firm in my faith in the Lord and commit to his process in my life. I'm not going to run from what God is trying to do in me because I know ultimately it is going to work something good in my life. Some of you just need to stand still and see the glory of the Lord as it unfolds in your life. You know, as a pastor, I, there are times that I have to counsel with people and it's like, you know, I, I, I know that if I just go easy on them, that they'll probably continue to attend the church and they'll probably continue to be involved and they'll probably keep sneaking in and all that kind of thing. And if I just go easy on them, then, you know, it will keep them in attendance. But it won't fix the problem that they're dealing with. It won't bring them to a place of maturity in their lives. And so I determined years ago that I was not going to prioritize building a crowd over building a disciple. 
I committed long ago to the voice of the Lord who said to me, I'll build the church if you will build my people. And sometimes building someone means that you have to speak the truth in love. Because it is the truth that shall set you not, not coddling, not parting the mustache so that you can put the, the, the bottle in their mouth because they're 43 years old and still being a baby about things. But instead, you speak the truth in love, knowing that if they will receive the Word of God, it will mature them in their faith and help them to become everything that God has called them to be. But if they resist it, then they are going to, they're going to decommit from the process, and instead of maturing in their faith, they're going to go down. And so you know people like that. And you know that there are people all around you that sometimes need to hear the truth of the Word of God and to commit to Him. After a very difficult time, Jesus pulls the disciples aside. And in John chapter 6, verses 66 through 69... It tells us after this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, do you want to go away as well? And Simon Peter answered him and he said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Peter, still young in his faith, was mature enough to know that I can walk away from it all right now. I can leave the scene right now. But if I do, where in the world would I go? And I'm going to go back to a life of fishing. I'm going to go back to that life that was before. I'm going to go back to that family environment that was, that, that was destructive. Am I going to just go back to who I was when I see the potential of what I can be in Christ Jesus? I may not yet be there, but thank God I'm on my way. And so, Jesus, I'm not going anywhere. I'm I'm not going to move farther from you. I'm going to draw up closer to you so that everything that you are can rub off on me and help me to become the person of faith that I need to be. But it takes noise. It takes noise to reveal our commitment to the Lord. You can tell who's committed and who's not. Because when the noise, when the volume turns up, those who are immature try to find a better place to be, not realizing that if they will stand firm in the noise of the Lord, that it is that noise that will bring about improvement in their life. Now the third thing that I want to point out to you is, is that noise, divine noise, identifies our weaknesses. Uh, just that, let me ask you a question today, and you don't have to raise your hand, but I just want you to think about this. I would like to, I'd like to know how many of you are perfect. 
So I saw a few of you dig at your ear there for a minute, but then no hands went up. And I'm thankful for that. We're not perfect. I'm not perfect. I make mistakes all the time. But that's not necessarily what I'm talking about. Mistakes are made instantaneously sometimes. Mistakes happen when we react rather than respond to what we know is truth. And in that moment, we allow our reaction to do a work in us that is negative rather than waiting and responding and then letting something positive happen. But when I talk about weaknesses, I'm not talking about a mistake that we make. I'm talking about a character flaw that stays with us day after day and week after week and month after month and year after year. And we discover that this thing that brings so much trouble into our lives has not been fixed. And it needs to be fixed. And we pray something like this, Lord, I know this is a problem for me, and I'm asking you to help me with this. Let me tell you that when you pray like that, it's a dangerous prayer. Because God will do exactly that. And the way that He'll do it is He will turn up the volume of the noise that is in your life and cause you to have to deal with the root cause so that the noise can be silenced. He'll do it. Somebody told me years ago, don't ever pray for patience. And I understand that because if you pray for patience... God's going to let things come into your life that will try your patience and want to make you go crazy. But when God turns up the noise in our lives, it is to begin a thought process in our lives that will help us to analyze what the problem is that is, that is bringing about this negative thing in my life. And so we have to think about it. We have to study about it. We have to meditate on it. I know people that they say, I don't like to think about negative things. I'm positive all the time. Positive this, positive that, positive that. Listen, you need to positively analyze your life so that you can see what negativity in your little positive life needs to be removed so that you can be more positive and mature in the Spirit of God. It's all right to be negative. You know what a leader is? A leader is someone who is able to analyze a situation and identify what needs to be changed and then have the wisdom to change it. That's what a leader is. So if you can't lead your own life to positivity, then how can you lead anyone else? You know, I had children a few years ago, and they've grown up and become adults themselves, but when we had children in our household, our priorities changed. Our priorities changed to the point that our children was the most important thing to us in terms of the investment of time and wisdom. 
I'm proud to say that we invested into them knowledge and understanding so that when the time came for them to grow up, they would have the knowledge and the understanding to apply wisdom to the circumstances that come in their lives. Now, I love my children, and there are times that they will ask my advice, but they are adults now. They don't need to know every time something gets rough what dad has to say about it. They don't have to come running to mom every time they need some advice. They have been equipped with the knowledge and the understanding and the wisdom of God so that when I'm not around or when I don't have a word of wisdom for them or when mom can't do the same for them, they can go to the Word of God and by the Spirit of God, they can say, it's you and me, Jesus. Nobody else can help me in this situation. No one else can provide the wisdom that I need. But that's all right with me because I know that you have given me all things that pertain to life and godliness and I have everything that I need to succeed. But that only happens in the lives of children who are taught the ways of the Lord as they're growing up. So they can do whatever they want to do. When they grow up, they'll learn their lessons the hard way. Yes, indeed, they will. But listen, it is your responsibility, mom and dad, to teach them in the ways that they should go so that when they are old, they will know how to be there in those ways. So it identifies our weakness. Now, much of the noise in our lives today revolves around political rhetoric, it, it, it involves pan, pandemic warnings. It involves protest and racial tension. And sometimes that noise is necessary. Are you hearing me? Sometimes we need politicians to take a, a stand about things that matter. We need some politicians who above all else will say the life of this unborn baby is important and we need to do whatever we have to do to change laws or create systems whereby these children can live instead of being aborted. Whether you don't like that or whether you do like it is beside the point. We need somebody to make some noise about that kind of thing in our world because God is going to judge us for our involvement in killing babies. So we need to hear some noise. We need to hear some scientists say to us, you need to be careful about this pandemic. We're not trying to scare you, but here are some things that you probably ought to consider to help keep yourself safe. You ought to wash your hands. It's kind of like my mom. Every day of my life, she said, did you brush your teeth? Did you brush your teeth? Did you brush your teeth? And then she started asking, did you use toothpaste? It's kind of like, why am I going to waste my time brushing my teeth if I'm not going to use toothpaste? Sometimes we need somebody to just tell us to wash our hands. Sometimes we need somebody to say, 
the preacher can spit a good six to eight feet when he's preaching. And so you probably ought to social distance yourself from the preacher at least six to eight feet so that his droplets don't drench you. We need to hear that. Because I'm not a scientist and I'm not a physician. And I need that wisdom. I wear one of these when I go out in public, when I go to Kroger, when I go to AutoZone, when I go out. You say, well, you're an idiot. Well, I may be. But this idiot is going to wear a mask in public so that I can be safe and you can be safe. You say, well, it's not going to make anybody safe. Well, God bless you. Keep your face clear. I'm not going to get upset with you as long as you won't get upset with me if I do it because I feel like it might be a good option. We need to hear some of the voices. You say, oh, but there's so many voices and there's so much noise. and That's where God gives us discernment. How does that work? It's, it's when we hear something that's being said, our spirit either agrees or disagrees with it. Because the Spirit of the Most High God lives and dwells within us. And so He is going to let us know whether the information we're receiving is false or true. It's called discernment. And the Bible tells us to get it and use it. And then there are protests and racial tension everywhere. Just yesterday in downtown Louisville. People start shooting guns, and I haven't gotten the full report, and I don't know if anybody got hit or if anybody died. I don't know. I only heard it this morning very briefly that the tensions rose and people started shooting. And let me tell you something. We have needed the noise of the last few weeks to turn our attention to the problem of racism that does exist in the United States so that we can put our efforts to changing it and improving it with the principles of the Word of God. But when the conversation turns from the issue that needs to be changed to just somebody wanting to tear up a store and loot and riot and shoot and all of those kinds of things, that is not of God and that is not helpful. And so we together as a community must stand against the voice of the rabble and raise the voice of the concerns that are legitimate and something that we can do something about. I didn't expect anybody to shout right there. But I'm telling you the noise is necessary because if we don't hear what we need to hear, we cannot fix or change deliberately what needs to be fixed and what needs to be changed. So it identifies our weaknesses. Psalm 139 verses 1 through 10 and then verse 23 and 24 says, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and you know when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down. And you are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in behind and before. And you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot even attain it. 
Where shall I go from your spirit? Where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. I'm going to read verses 23 and 24 here in just a second, but did you catch that part where the Bible says that he hymns us in? In other words, he sticks us back in a corner, puts us in time out, and he dares us to try to escape from his presence. He puts us in a corner where he has our full attention, and he says, I will not allow you to leave until I'm finished working my work in you. Now, you know what that rears up in some people? Rebellion. God's speaking to me, but I'm not going to have it. Because I am greater than God, and I know more about myself than God does. And so, God, if you think that you're going to keep me in this place and hem me in, I'll just show you. No, no, you will not show God. God's noise will be amplified in your life to the point that He will have you in a place where you will have to listen to Him. You may not agree with Him and you might not receive His discipline, but God is going to have the final word in your life. And it starts by Him hemming you in so that He can communicate with you. Don't you just hate it when people do that to you? It's him you in. You can't get away. He hems you in, but then here's the prayer of the psalmist. While he's hemmed in by God, he decides, I'm not going to rebel against what God's trying to do in my life. Instead, I'm going to pray this prayer. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there be any grievous way or wickedness in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Lord, since you've got my attention and since you have me hemmed in, instead of me thumbing my nose in your face and rebelling against you, I'm asking you, Lord, to take your searchlight and go from top to bottom, from head to toe, from east to west, from north to south, everything about me, Lord. You go and you look and you search me. And if there's anything that is grievous in me or anything that is wicked in me, I pray that you will remove it by the Spirit of God and when you are ready for me to move on instead of me trying to push you and shove you out of the way so that I can get out of this place where you have me I'm going to take your hand and together we are going to journey as we fight this thing together amen aren't you glad that God can hem us in in order to do the work that has to be done and then finally, and I'm about ready to quit. Noise reimagines our future. Noise reimagines our future. Like most 60 plus years old people that I know, Donna and I are thinking about our future. We're thinking about down the road, maybe retiring someday. 
Now, for those of you who are hoping it will be soon, it's not going to be soon. God's not finished with me here yet. God will let me know, and then he'll let you know. He'll let me know before he lets you know, by the way, so that you don't have to come and tell me that God might be trying to say that. But we think about the future. We think about what will our money look like? What, what, what are we going to do? What does our retirement account look like? Is our house going to be paid for? Do we want to carry any debt into retirement? And the answer to that is no, not a penny, not a dime. We don't want to carry anything like that into our retirement years. We want to retire when we're young enough and healthy enough that we can do whatever we want to do, however we want to do it, and not worry about it. We have a plan for our lives. I told her just this week. Seems like that there's a lot of marital issues that's going on around our, our world. And I told her, I said, I said, girl, let me tell you something. You are stuck with me. I mean, I'm here. I ain't going anywhere. And I'm sleeping in the same bed that you do. I'm going to eat at the same table that you eat. We're going to share our meals like old people do at Cracker Barrel and, and Aspen Creek. And we're going to buy one entree and split it in half and eat it together. Girl, you are stuck with me. It's true. But you know, sometimes God comes into our lives... And the noise suggests that he has a different future for us than what we have imagined. Now think about Job. Job didn't need anything. Had all the money he could use. All the animals that he could use. All the kids he could use. All the in-laws he could use. All the grandkids that he would ever want. He had all of it. And yet he lost everything. The noise swept in one day and very quickly his entire life changed and now he is faced with having to reimagine his future. And like so many of us, he immediately began working from the negative in. Isn't that human nature? <clears throat> we start with the negative and peel off the layers until we get to what God intended all along. He said, oh, I cursed the day that I was born. He started saying, if God really loved me, He would go ahead and kill me today and get it over with. The people in my life wouldn't have to put up with old Job. The people in my life wouldn't have to come by and feel sorry for me because I have sores all over my body that I'm scraping with broken uh, pottery and they wouldn't have to feel sorry for me. And I don't want anybody to feel sorry for me. So God, I'd rather you just take me and slay me now. And he began to work from the negative end. But somewhere in all of that mess, in all of that noise, there started coming whispers from the Lord saying, no, life is in me. I, your life is in me. And then Job would say things like this, Oh, though you slay me, yet will I bless you and praise you. And little nuggets 
of faith began to take root in his spirit. And even though the negative noise was overwhelming, Job started nicking away at it little bit at a time, little bit at a time. You know, we Pentecostals. We just want to come up front and let the preacher spit all over us. It's okay. If you get COVID, it's no problem. Just spit all over me, head and toe. Are we like, like those that can just go like this? And everybody in the church just falls down and falls out and all that. We love that kind of stuff. And that we pray for them. When we say, oh, I just want a move of God, that's what we're talking about. We just, we want that kind of thing. And listen, I'm not... I'm not talking negatively about that. I've seen some of that. I've been in some of that. I've experienced some of this. I have spent plenty of time on the floor out because of the Spirit of God. I have rolled underneath the old-fashioned pews that you used to be able to roll underneath that. I have a respect for that and a love for my heritage. But you know what? In all the years of ministry that I have seen, the majority of the time, God just starts crafting you into a masterpiece by taking a chisel and a hammer and knocking a little bit off of here and taking a little bit over there and taking a bit on the top of your head and when you get a chip on your shoulder he'll just take that chisel and knock it off and smooth you up and smooth you down and it doesn't happen in a day and it doesn't happen in a week but God gets you prepared for the future and the reality that he has planned for you. The Bible says that man makes his plans, uh, but God comes along and directs our paths uh, and changes them for us. I'm telling you that the noise that we're experiencing in America today, God has his hand upon it, uh, and he is crafting a future for us uh, that we can't even imagine, uh, and we can't even see yet, uh, but when it materializes, we're going to be able to say, look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. Isaiah 55, verses 10, 11, and 12. Go ahead and somebody come help me. I don't know if it's even possible for us to sing, look what the Lord has done, but if it is, I want to sing it this morning. Look what the Lord has done. Lord, give them wisdom. Open their eyes. Isaiah 55, 10 through 12, it says, For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and it does not return there, but waters the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return unto me void or empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose, and it shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. For you shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing and all of the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Last night, I went out on the front porch and it was raining, drizzling a little bit. The neighbors were blowing off their fireworks. 
and I was watching some of it, and then all of a sudden, there came this loud boom that was not associated with any fireworks at all. It was thunder. And all of a sudden, I looked across the, the horizon, and I saw the kind of lightning that just kind of goes all the way across the sky. And when I saw it, I backed up a little bit because I did not want to get hit by lightning. And so I stood back, and I knew I was going to preach this this morning, and I was reminded of this passage of Scripture that talks about there are seasons in our lives when the rain comes, and there are times in our life when the snow falls and boxes us in, but it does not return, it does not go away until it accomplishes the work that sent that God has sent it forth to do. And he said, I'm going to send my word and my word is going to do the work that I've sent it to do. It will not, it shall not, it cannot return unto me void, but it shall, it will do the work that I have sent it forth to do. So if there's noise in your life today that is uncontrollable, if there is noise in your life today that you are uncomfortable with and you're upset about, let me tell you that it's possible that the Lord is doing a work in your life that will cause you to reimagine your future. Amen. I'm going to close with one passage of Scripture. Job 42. It says in verse 2, I know that you can do all things. This is Job saying it. No, no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Verse 5, I have heard of you with the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. Verse 10, and the Lord, say and the Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he had prayed for his friends and the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Verse 12, And the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning. Verse 17, And Job died an old man and full of days. Let me tell you today, if you want to be like Job, you may have to endure some noise, but let me tell you, your latter will be greater than your, than your former. Amen. God will do a work in you that will allow you to go out whenever your time is up with a smile on your face and a praise on your lips and the noise that comes out will not be a rehearsal of all the negative things and the bad things that has happened in your life, but it will be like the psalmist who said, Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord and forget not all of His benefits. Aren't you glad that God has a way to help us reimagine our future? Stand with me if you will. Amen.